Hello to all of you joining us online. Welcome that you have decided to give of your Sunday as well. Participate with us from all over the world. Welcome. We are glad you're here. Uh, Don't forget, everybody. Y'all know it's coming next weekend, right? We spring forward next Saturday night. This is the one where you lose an hour of sleep, okay? So I want to make sure that all of your smiling faces are right here with us next week. So make sure you set your clocks one hour forward before you go to bed next Saturday night, all right? Y'all with me on that? All right. So it's 2023. Can you believe we're already in March? Woo! It is going quick. And uh, 2023 is a year that we have dubbed here at FBCFO to be the year of strengthening. Okay, and our strategy this year as a church is to give some major attention and strengthening to two very important areas. Number one, our own spiritual lives. Listen to me, congregation. God wants to do something amazing in your life. He wants to do something amazing in your family's life and in every arena in your life, including your ministry right here in his church. And so if you want to receive those blessings that God wants to give you, it is absolutely imperative that you give some personal attention to your spiritual life. Critical. So make sure you come to church every single week. Make it a priority. Be in a small group. Okay, be here in the auditorium. Try to avoid watching us online unless you have to. Okay, serve in a ministry. Make sure that you are spending time with God in your personal devotional life. Spend some time in prayer. That's why we just did a whole sermon series on prayer. Because here's the reality. If you don't exercise your spiritual disciplines, you will not get any stronger. It's that simple. The second area that God wants to do something in is in our church ministries. So we're focusing on that. God is on the brink of doing something amazing here, congregation. I'm telling you the truth. He wants to use us to connect with people in our community who are far from him. And he wants to draw them to Christ. And the good part about it is he wants to use you and you and you to do it. You are not too young and you are not too old to be used by God to change another person's life. There is no retirement from kingdom work. It's not biblical. And besides... There's no greater feeling on this earth than being used by God Almighty in the transformation of somebody else's life. And so we're excited to watch God do what he does best. So we're putting energy to strengthening our ministries across the board, from preschool to children to teenagers and to you adults as well. Now, We are underway, things are looking good, and there's still a whole lot more to do. And I'm getting reports from our ministry leaders as to how things are going and what God is doing in strengthening families here. Our men's ministry, for example, they have midweek men's discipleship groups going on. There's been an influx of men desiring to get involved and grow as the spiritual leaders of their homes. Hallelujah. 
So the men's ministry leadership has had to add additional nights of small groups. That's pretty cool. Okay? And I was talking with Mark Counts, our men's ministry director, and he reported to me last week that there's a woman in our church who told him, hey, Mark, my husband is a better husband and a better father when he attends discipleship groups. Folks, God is at work and he is strengthening our church. He's changing lives. And God wants to bless all of us, the ministry at this campus, in a huge way very soon. But to get there, we have preparation work that we have to do as a church if we're going to receive those blessings. And part of that preparation work is this brand new sermon series that we're starting today called, What Are You Thinking? And what we're going to be talking about is how our life is shaped by our thoughts. So for today and the next four weeks, if you have any desire to grow in your faith, to strengthen your life and strengthen your ministry through your thought life, the things that you think about absolutely matter. And I'm going to take it one step further. The things that you think about They are absolutely imperative to a successful, God-honoring Christian life. My mom used to say to me all the time, she's watching us online, she used to say, Wayne, son, God gave you a brain. Use it. So that's what we're going after in this series. So hopefully you grabbed an outline and you're ready to uh, take some notes today as we begin this new journey over the next month together. So today's message is called, Think About what you're thinking. And here's the idea. When it comes to our thought life, my experience has shown me over 20 years of ministry that when dealing with people that a lot of folks are kind of passive in their thoughts and and they're not very proactive in this area. And so as a result, their thoughts tend to go into the wild blue yonder. And then you just see folks who have a hard time in life and and they really struggle and they fall off the deep end and, and they get stuck in a rut and they end up with some really tough situations going on. And if you're hearing me today, if you have found that kind of thing in your life and if your mind tends to be one that wanders, then this series is for you. And if maybe you have found the secret key to life, and you don't have a mind that wanders, God bless you, because I have no idea what that feels like. And I just want to thank you for being here today, and if you could pray for the rest of us failures in in life, then we would sure appreciate that, okay, because we do struggle in this. And maybe you've heard this before, congregation, that your mind is incredibly powerful. You ever heard that before? It's actually more powerful than we probably realize. I read an interesting article this week while studying, and here it is. Um, Your mind has the ability to remember 800 memories a second for 75 years and never get tired. What was I saying? (laughs) I forgot already. Your brain can store more than a hundred trillion thoughts. And some of you are like, wait a minute, Pastor Wayne. My brain can do two? 
maybe three on a good day, right? But here's my point. Our mind has this amazing ability, and our thoughts shape our lives. And spiritually speaking, we have this enemy out there, and he primarily works against us in our thought life. He's getting into our minds, and he is relentlessly trying to destroy us. And when we understand that reality right there, it becomes really important that we make adjustments, that we pivot, and that we become proactive in our thinking. Essentially, we need to think about what we're thinking. So in your outline, you see six truths about our thinking. And we're going to develop these more over the next few weeks. But the first truth about our thinking that we need to learn is this. Number one, my thoughts control my life, but I can control my thoughts. So we're not wasting any time today. We're jumping right into the deep end of the pool. My thoughts control every part of my life. Catch that, congregation. Every part. They shape and they mold my life. But, and catch this, this is a very important piece. I have the ability to control my thoughts. Here is what scripture says. Proverbs 23, verse 7. I'm reading from the New King James Version. It says this. For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. The book of Proverbs. What is that book all about? It is God's wisdom to us. So let's look at another one. Reading from the New Century Version. Proverbs chapter 4. 23, God says, be careful what you think about. And here's why. Because your thoughts run your life. God's word right here tells us how powerful our thoughts are. God says that they run our life. And so to be passive about our thought life is an absolute train wreck. And yet, unfortunately, that is exactly where so many people are at today. Our thoughts take motion. Woo! Voila! And we don't ever hit the brakes. Then why not? Well, maybe it's because we've never been told how to. Or we've never been told to hit the brakes. And so our mind just takes off and goes from zero to 200 miles an hour in two nanoseconds. And the scripture, right here, Proverbs chapter 4, communicates a very simple truth to us. Jot this down if you need to. It's not in your notes, but just write it down. Life is determined by what you think. So what does that mean? That means if you think dumb thoughts, you're probably going to do dumb things. If you think really smart thoughts, you're probably going to do really smart things. And you're going to hang around really smart and wise people. If you think spiritual thoughts, and we're going to look at this next week, spiritual things are going to happen to you. So right here, we just read in in Proverbs 23 that for as he thinks in his heart, so is he. So our thought process It's going to shape our lives. It's going to take us on a journey. And practically speaking, 
if you don't like the trajectory that your life is on right now, if you don't like where you're at mentally in your life, my question to you, my friend, is the title of this sermon series. What are you thinking? Literally, what have you been thinking about? Proverbs 4 teaches us that we have a choice. We have a choice in what we think about. God is basically saying to us, Wayne, in your free will, son, you have the power to control your thoughts. No one is forcing you to think about anything. Nobody's holding a gun to your head, son. It's all your choice. Congregation, here's what we need to grasp from this. Each of us, in our own free will, It's given to us by God. We all have the power and we have all of the control of how we respond to our thoughts and to our temptations. That is how life works. And so when your mind is all over the place and your thoughts are in the wild blue launder, and if you're having thoughts about worry and fear and anxiety and bitter thoughts and angry thoughts or whatever it is, you see in your outline here, and I put a helpful question for you to think about and for you to ask yourself. It's this. Do I really want to think about this right now? In the New Testament, the Apostle Paul, he tells us that we should think on good things and noble things and praiseworthy things. You see, because he understood that we as humans, we all have the power to control our thoughts and how to respond to them. In fact, this is not just a New Testament thing. This is all over the Bible. We see it in the Old and we see it in the New Testaments, both. That all of us have 100% of the control. It's how God has wired us. We can choose whether or not we're going to put into action the things that we think about. And I don't know if you've ever been told that or not. But that is exactly what the Bible teaches. And the Bible, as I believe it, is the absolute final authority on how life works. My thoughts control my life. But I can control my thoughts. Number two in your outline. That any change I want in my life must start in my mind. So let's put number one and number two together here. My thoughts control my life. But I can control my thoughts, and any change that I want must start in my mind. And this is one of the things that folks really struggle with, if we get real honest. And I know this has been true for me and probably for for you, and I know it's true for many of my close friends as well. What we tend to do is we tend to look at the behavior. You know, I don't want to do this, fill in the blank, whatever it is. Or I need to stop this whatever it is, okay? And so we try to modify the behavior and then we fail and experience the rut over and over and over again. Now, why is that? Because it's the wrong place to start. We don't start at the behavior. That's the end. If we want something changed, we have to start in the thoughts, in the minds, at the beginning. Because that is where we'll have the influence over the end result. It's kind of upstream thinking, right? I've been talking about that to some of my friends this week. Upstream thinking. The starting place is our thoughts. Now think about raising kids. If you've raised kids, say amen. 
If you're raising kids right now, say, me. Okay, let me talk to all the me's out there real quick, all right? For decades, decades and maybe hundreds of years, however, parents have been telling kids, don't do drugs. Don't drink alcohol. Don't smoke. Don't fight. Don't steal. Don't have premarital sex. Whatever it is. But so often in our society, you see this, parents are just focused on the behavior. And those things are things that we don't want our kids to do for sure. But when we only focus on behavior modification, it's not going to be enough. Okay? So as we're raising kids, listen to me, parents, if you're raising kids. We have to help them learn to go to the starting place, the mind. We have to help them learn to think correctly about life and how our sinful nature works. Our thoughts are where it matters the most. And if you have raised kids successfully, you know exactly what I'm talking about right now. And that is also why the Apostle Paul, remember that guy? He pleads with believers to pay very close attention to the thought life, not to be passive about it. He said in Romans chapter 12, verse 2 from the NIV, here's what it says. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I like this verse in the today's English version as well, and I put it in your notes. Read that along with me. Same verse, different version. Do not conform yourselves to the standards of this world, but let God transform you inwardly by a complete change of your mind. So how does God transform us? Scripture says right here that he does it inwardly. And so this passage tells us two things. Number one, that if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you're either going to be conformed to the pattern of this world and you're going to allow your mind to be influenced by all of the things of the outside culture. And you're going to think and you're going to feel and you're going to behave just like all of the unbelieving world. Or, number two, if you're a believer in Jesus, that you're going to allow God to transform you on the inside. You're going to let him mold you and shape you into the image of his son. Who's his son? My favorite guy ever, the Lord Jesus. And then you will begin to think like him, and you will have his values, and you will have his desires. And how is all of that going to happen? It's going to happen, according to this verse in Romans chapter 12, it's going to happen in your mind. And eventually... Here's the good part. Over time, it will roll out in your behavior. But that's not the beginning point. Actions are the end point. It starts in your mind. Matthew chapter 5. Jesus is talking in the Beatitudes and in the message translation. And I don't really use the message very much, but I like this version of it for today's purposes. And this is what it says. Matthew chapter 5 verse 8. You're blessed when you get your inside world, which is your mind and your heart, put right. Then you can see God in the outside world. I really like that 
that presentation of that text. So the idea is when our hearts and when our minds are transformed into the image of Jesus, then our spiritual blindness is removed. We'll begin to see God moving in the world and our perspective changes and we see God changing people's lives left and right, just like I mentioned earlier about our men's ministry. And maybe you've heard this before. We're to be in the world, but not of the world. Have you heard that before? To not be of the world. Do you know where that starts, congregation? It starts right here in our thought life. That is the beginning place. So let's put it all together so far. My thoughts control my life, but I can control my thoughts. And any change that I want to make in life must start in my mind. Are you tracking with me this morning? Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm tracking. Oh, come on, let's try that again. Meet that standard. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm tracking. All right. Good. I like that. Let's move on. Number three. I can change how I feel by changing how I think. Are you starting to see a trend here? If so, God is beginning to work in your life today. I can change how I feel by changing how I think. So I want to be crystal clear here. Sometimes you just can't control your feelings. It's true. You ever had a toddler crying? Stop crying. I'm going to give you something to cry about. Some of you have been there. Let's talk about how good that works, right? (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) not too well. So sometimes, you know, your emotions are uncontrollable. And that's just how it goes, and we all get that. But God did give us the ability to control our thoughts. And our thoughts control how we think. And And our thoughts control how we feel. So if you're feeling angry... You've probably got some angry thoughts going on. If you're feeling bitter, you've got some bitter thoughts going on. Whatever the case is, you can go on and on and on. Our thoughts control our mood and our emotions. And I know I'm simplifying this for time's sake today, but just like with our behavior, if you don't like how you're feeling, you have to go back to the starting place. You have to change what you're thinking about. If you want your feelings calibrated, that's where you must begin. And I love the Bible because it just addresses this stuff. King David understood this principle, Psalm 42. And he wrote this, Psalm 42, verse 6. He says, my heart is breaking. Now let me stop. You have to see here that David has deep emotions, deep pain he's experiencing. And what does he do? Does he say, I'm going to keep focusing on all the brokenness of my life and become a miserable wreck? No, he doesn't say that. Here's what he says. So I turn my thoughts to God. There's a refocus that David did. And this is what God teaches us to do right here. Jonah understood this. In Jonah chapter 2, verse 7, I'll read from the Amplified Version of the Bible. Here's what it says. 
Jonah says, when my soul fainted upon me, and I'll stop right there. You got to understand what Jonah's describing here. Jonah is describing this idea of this crushing sensation. It's imagine like having this weight of this huge boulder just crushing him on his back, and he's just feeling anguished. And what does he do? He says right here, so I earnestly and seriously remembered the Lord. And my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Jonah had a change in his life. He changed his thinking. And this skill didn't just magically happen. No, he learned it at some point that he needed to do this. And then he began to on-ramp this teaching into his life, and then he disciplined himself to practice it regularly until it became his default operation. The same is true for us. We have to on-ramp this into our life and then discipline ourselves to practice it. And friends, I cannot say this loud enough this morning. There is no pathway to success here unless we become disciplined and become self-aware to the change that we need to have through our thinking. Jonah said right here in this text, I seriously remembered the Lord. In the New Testament, the Apostle Paul, he said in Colossians, I need to set my mind on the things above. In Philippians, he said, I need to think on what is true and honest and pure. We have to remember what God says. On January 1st, I used this pattern in the message that day on how to grow spiritually, and you can see it again in your outline today. And this progression is true. Thinking equals feelings equals actions. That is how the progression works. Notice at the beginning is thinking. It all starts in our mind. And what's interesting to me about this, and I've had conversations with some of the professional Christian counselors out there, is that there are a whole lot of counselors in the world out there that don't agree with this concept. But church, this is what the Bible teaches. And as Christians, we believe the Bible to be the highest authority above all on this earth. But I'll let you decide if you think the Bible is right or not. But if you want to change how you feel, you don't try to change your behavior. You don't change your feelings. Instead, you go back to the beginning and change your thinking. Remember, Proverbs 4.23 says, your thoughts run your life. Number four, and this is a really odd one that we don't tend to think about too much. But number four, there is an unseen war going on in and for my mind. Congregation, do you ever sense the spiritual warfare going on in the world today? Do you sense the spiritual war going on in your own life? Are you tuned into it? The Apostle Paul said in Ephesians 6.12, it's not in your notes, but he says, our struggle is not with flesh and blood, but with spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. There is a war going on in and around and for us. And this causes me great concern as a pastor. 
I see a whole lot of Christians in the world that treat life like it is a cruise liner. It's like they're on the deck and they're on vacation with, you know, their iced tea and they're sitting in the lounge chair with flip-flops on by the pool drinking their nice cold iced tea. It's like everything's hunky-dory. But that's not the reality, family. As Christ followers, we're not on a cruise liner. This is not Royal Caribbean. We are on a battleship. And there is an enemy who is coming for us and wants to absolutely destroy us. And oftentimes, we either don't even know about it, or we don't care, or we just don't recognize this war that is going on for us and around us. (laughs) It's like we have our head in the sand. But the Bible teaches us that the enemy, Satan, is coming for us, and his primary way of tempting you and me and everybody else around us is through our mind. That's where he's coming for us at. The book of James teaches us that temptation begins in your mind. The enemy plants the seed, right? And then it grows in our mind. And then if we believe the lie to be true, that somehow if we do this, life is going to be so much better. And then it takes root, and it doesn't take long for us to ultimately sin. Now, I want to show you a picture here. It's going to make you squirm a little bit. But here's a picture of of a lady who has a pet snake. Now, how many of you like snakes? Six of you. (laughs) I do not like snakes, but I recognize some people do. And I came across this story recently, and I was kind of blown away by it. Um, And you can read the story for yourself, but here's what happened. A lady has a pet snake, and she noticed that her pet snake stopped eating. And she got concerned that over a long period of time, her pet python wasn't having the dinners anymore. So she took her pet python to the veterinarian. And she says to the vet, Doc, help me. My snake's not eating. And so the doc says, okay, let's, let's ask you some questions. Where do you, do, where do you, uh, where do you keep your python? Is it sleeping in an aquarium or a cage? And the lady's like, no, it just runs free in my bedroom. Kind of like our dogs and cats do. And the doc's like, oh, okay, okay, okay. And when was the last time that it ate? Oh, a couple of months ago. Oh, okay, the doc says. And so the doc asked the question, of, well, where does it sleep at night? And the woman said, oh, the, the snake sleeps in my bed with me. And I just cuddle up to it. It's real snuggly. That was the word she used. Snuggly. And the doc says, okay. When you wake up in the morning, is the snake stretched out? And she, and she says, yes. And I just figured that the snake wants to lean up against me because it likes my body heat. So the doctor says, well, I've got some good news and some bad news for you. The bad news, or the good news is, your snake is completely healthy. The bad news is, your snake was sizing you up. You getting that now? 
Because what snakes do is when they see a large prey that they want to eat, they have to starve themselves in order to handle it. And in Genesis, now that I've got you squirming a little bit, this visualization that we have of Satan is in the form of a serpent. The snake. And the text in Genesis says that the serpent was cunning. And that is exactly who Satan was then. And that's exactly who he still is today. He is very cunning. And oh, he is sizing you up. He's sizing you up and you and you and you and you and me. Understand this congregation. He wants to attack and destroy. And we have to recognize that this is his one and only agenda item. He's coming for the kill. He wants to destroy you, your marriage, your family, your grandkids, your great-grandkids, our church, our government. He wants to destroy everything and anything that he can get his hands on. And he's going to attack us where? In the mind. And he's going to tempt us with everything that he's got. And he's going to do it with predictable patterns. The same tactics that he used with Adam and Eve long ago, he's still using today. And so what we are thinking about becomes not just important, hear me, it becomes mission critical. And here's what the Apostle Paul said, Romans chapter 7. Verses 21 to 23. So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being I delight in God's law. Verse 23. But I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law in my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. The Apostle Paul is identifying a reality here. There is an enemy, and we are in a spiritual war. Our desire is to do good, to honor God, We understand that, but the enemy is right there, working in our minds. And the text says that he's waging war. Congregation, do you sense the seriousness there? Now, why does it have to be right there in my mind? Why can't it be somewhere else like the refrigerator or somewhere else? Why does it have to be there? Because Satan knows that this is where sin begins. The seeds of sin have to be planted in the mind before it can sprout down the road. So we got to recognize this as Christians. We are not on a cruise liner congregation. We're not hanging out by the pool. This is not playtime. It is not vacation. We're in the battle for our life. As a disciple of Christ, life is a battleship. Are you with me, congregation? Number five in your outline. To win the battle for my mind, I must have God's spirit and God's word inside me. 
Very important concept here. I'm going to make this as simple as I possibly can, okay? In order to win the battle for your mind, first thing first, I have to be a Christ follower. I have to be a believer. I have to have Jesus living inside of me. So if you have never given your life to Christ, you are not a Christian. You are not a believer in Christ. You have to understand that apart from Christ, there is no possible way for you to win the spiritual battle for your mind and for your soul. It just cannot happen. And it's not going to happen. You must respond to God's call on your life to bow your knee to his son. The book of Romans actually says that the mind of the sinful man is death. It is hostile to God. It's only through the power of Christ living inside of the believer that any one of us can possibly overcome the battle for the mind. So for us Christians... For us, for the believers, let me speak to you. You have to have God's word inside of you. And here's why this is so important to grasp. Because God's word is what keeps you from sinning. That's it. And all of us have three enemies out there. The first enemy is the culture that we live in. You know, the things of this world. The second enemy is the old nature, the flesh. It keeps creeping its ugly head up from time to time. You know what I'm talking about. And the third enemy that you have is Satan and all of his demons. Adrian Rogers used to call this the unholy trinity. (laughs) I heard that this week and I laughed. Okay. Pastor is easily amused. Okay. And as a Christian, all of these things are working against us. Congregation, they do not want you to know Christ at a deeper and more passionate and more intimate level. The Apostle Paul said, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does, How does the world fight? Fill in all the methods, right? The list is endless. But here's what Paul says. Verse four. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine powers to demolish strongholds. And a biblical definition of a stronghold is this, if you don't know what that word is. Here it is. It is a lie that you believe that has become a reality and truth to you. As a result, the lie is now directing your life and your thoughts. And so if you have any possibility of overcoming the stronghold in your life, you have to extinguish the lies with truth. Verse 5 goes on. And the Apostle Paul says, So we demolish arguments. And every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. In other words, these lies that we believe, they are contrary to Scripture. They're controlling us. And so we're in this war. And the text says right here, 
that we take captive. Circle that word, captive. We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. You take captive every rebel thought and make it obedient to Christ. Well, how do we do that? We have to drown those rebel thoughts with Scripture. That is the only way that lies become obedient to Christ. And then they can no longer play out in our minds. And understand this reality, congregation, that the deeper the stronghold, the more biblical truth it will take to root it out. Bigger fires require more water and longer time to put out than those itty-bitty fires do. The Gospel of John says this, chapter 8, verses 31 and 32. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. The truth, what is it? It is the words of the Lord, his teachings. That is what will set you free in this life. So do you want to be free, congregation? Do you want to win the battle for your mind? Well, do you? Amen. You must have God's spirit and God's word inside of you. There is no other way. Finally, real quick, number six. My goal is to learn to think like Jesus. And this is what we're going to look at next week. Two verses to prompt us and to get our whistles wet for next Sunday. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. Your thoughts and attitudes must be the same as that of Christ Jesus. And that's made possible because if we look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16, as believers, we have the mind of Christ. So congregation, here's my challenge to you as we close today. If you have a mind that wanders, if you begin to do this one principle this week, that the moment you begin to sense your mind wandering and heading into the wild blue yonder, as Paul says, change your thinking to something godly, something holy, or something Christ-like. At the bare minimum, something positive. Whatever it takes. Because if you do that, I promise you, you will have amazing life transformation this week. And you'll come to me next Sunday and you're going to say, Pastor, I can't believe how God is working in my life. But if you just allow your mind to continue and go into the zone, You're just going to stew in your sin. You're going to stew in the mess of life and the transformation that God desires for you and the transformation that I know you want. It's going to remain out of reach. And I know that you want a better life. And I know, listen to me, I know that you're praying and you're praying and you're asking the Lord to help you in a mighty way. You want to get your thought life back into alignment with his word. That's good. That's good. Because that is God's plan for you. And the Bible says, 
that if you seek him, you will find him. The Lord is an ever-present help in time of need. Do you, do you want to change this week, congregation? Do you want to change? Then think about what you're thinking. Take your sinful thoughts captive. Think God's way. I'm going to ask you to stand as we pray this morning. Lord, as we come to this place today, we thank you so much, God, for your grace, for your mercy, for your amazing love. God, we give you praise for your holiness, your wonder, your amazement, God. We worship you today, Lord. We thank you that we can gather in this place and that we can think about how important our thought life is. God, we want to pursue to be the disciples that you have called us to be. So I pray, Lord, today for those of us with wandering minds, God, that you will give us the discernment that we need to recognize when our minds have gone astray. God, that you would give us the discipline to take those thoughts captive and drown them out with Scripture. Lord, your word is powerful. God, when our actions and our feelings are getting the best of us and we're all over the place, Lord, we we need your help. Would you help us to recognize that we need to redirect and change what we're thinking about? God, the battle for our lives is in our thoughts, it's in our mind. And so, Lord, we ask you today, help us in this. We need you, God. We're praying for that help today. Father, give us boldness to see clearly, to see what we're thinking about. Help us to see how it affects all these areas of our lives. God, help us to see that the enemies in our life, they want to draw us away from you. And in our human flesh, God, the lies of this culture and all the powers of the demonic realm, all they want to do is take us in the complete opposite direction of what you want us to do and what your word says. And so, Lord, we recognize that the enemy just wants to destroy us. So, God, we're calling for you today. We're calling for you to give us protection. Lord Jesus, we need you. And Lord, as you taught us to pray in your word, we pray this today. Father, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. And all God's people said, amen. Let's worship this morning.